0: This is it right here.
1: Combining a team of reporters, columnists, and commentators.
0: Don't you ever talk about me?
1: Are you serious? Jack Ebling has brought thought-provoking discussion.
2: What are you doing? That's a damn coaching mistake.
1: Opinion. The customer is the one who decides when the future gets here.
2: Oh no! The ship is on fire. You have to check the report. Are you kidding me? That game was fixed.
3: And overall infotainment. I'll take Jim Harbaugh.
4: What has he done?
2: crazy hey, he's coming at you. <laughs> Let's go.
0: Quiet, please. In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Thanks, big fella.
4: Don't you ever come back here again!
1: No arguments. Those are called ass So buckle up. You talking to me? No! It's time for The Drive with Jack Ebling.
2: Yeah, for some reason or another... Tucson and a Little
5: on Radio. Great afternoon, mid-Michigan and beyond, and welcome to The Drive with Jack, the Spotlight Radio Network. All of our Wednesday shows brought to you by of Avocamus, Graph Chevrolet, and Graph Nissan, side-by-side on West Grand River. I am here joined by my producer, Rob Bennett, just back from vacation. Rob, let's go right out to our guest line. Very happy to welcome in. Stephen Brooks, 24-7 sports, Spartan tailgate, premium site, just back from South Bend. Busy week for Steven. He was on the aircraft carrier as well. And then covering Michigan State and the win over Rutgers Saturday. And then uh, off to Indianapolis and see Michigan State's victory over Kentucky. Uh, let's start there, Stephen. Last night... Uh, a classic in the Champions Classic, some people have suggested might be the best of the 24 games that have been played in this event, Michigan State winning 86-77 in double overtime, and a lot of people didn't think the Spartans would get to overtime, certainly didn't think they'd get to a second one, but a couple of terrific plays and two Malik Hall dunks and then Michigan State, once they fouled out Oscar Shibwe, able to take charge.
6: Yeah, and just a heck of a performance. I should also start by saying, Jack, I'm not actually home yet. I'm on the highway, so I uh, oh. apologize for folks if they hear anything weird, any road noises, but uh, do my best there. Um, the uh, Yeah, no, I mean, great, great performance by Michigan State. Uh, one of the best games I've covered since I've been back, you know, here. for This is my fifth year back covering them again. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just incredible stuff out there. I mean, that was high level basketball, and it just it spoke to what I to to for me. I it spoke to what I've mentioned to you a handful of times and elsewhere. You know, they just Michigan State has a core of old, rugged, veteran guys that have played a lot of college basketball. Yeah, I mean, how many how many games has Joey Hauser played in? How many games has Malik Hall, Tyson Walker, uh, you know, played in over the course of their career? You know, we're, we're they're pushing. Yeah, well past fifty apiece, obviously. So, yeah, the, when you've been through those battles, like they're in those don't flinch moments, and they and they didn't flinch, you know. And Joey comes back with a huge game, and not not the Kentucky's uh, their usual brand of of young necessarily. It's an older Kentucky team than we're used to seeing. So it's not like you know you know experience beat youth necessarily. But I just thought Michigan State's collective maturity and experience really really showed up. I mean they. This, this series of clutch plays that they had to have and, you know, some letdowns, you know I mean? Tyson has that shot in the lane that goes, that, that misfires there and they come right back and are still able to force overtime there. And, and right. uh, you know, just, there's a resilience there. Um, that's what really stuck out to me. And then again, I mean, my gosh, Mari Sissoko, I guess it's a real thing, right? That wasn't a mirage, it yeah. was a dream. Uh, it's incredible. And I was talking to some Michigan state fans after the game uh, and it's like, He's, so far, you know, and I still am a little hesitant to, you know, to 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 say he's arrived necessarily or anything. But so far, what we've seen through these last two games, Jack, I'll be honest, I don't know if I ever thought he'd be that good in college, period, you know, like right, late right. senior year type stuff. You know, I mean, this is not a, even if he was going to be an okay piece of the puzzle, if he wasn't going to be a problem and, and, and everything was going to work out there, I still didn't foresee this uh, this early. I mean, the guy's a – he's not just – still in the spot he's not just you know occupying his role he's been a difference maker he's he's a huge reason they won that game and and we're in it against gonzaga i mean it's it's incredible now we talked about you know it's 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 crazy that they're going into a season banking on mary and now it's like man if Mati Soko's not out there this team might be a little shaky <laughs> it's, it's incredible the the speed with which uh the perception of him has changed and he's earned every bit of it you know i mean he's made a lot of people eat their words and and uh you know, readjust what they thought of him and and, and then in turn what they thought of this team.
5: A very emotional night for the players. Uh, You saw the photos and uh, the video of them mobbing him after the game and how happy they were for him. He's gone up against the two best players in college basketball, Stephen, in Drew uh, Timmy and Oscar Shibway, and uh, that's in chronological order. That's not necessarily in uh, how they would rank, but uh, when you look at what he has done in those games, with 14 points and 16 points, holding his own on the boards, and last night the effort, getting those three steals and staying in the game when it looked like, oh, oh, here he goes, you know, uh, uh, could be foul trouble again, and eventually, you know, you, you you get to that situation, but he's not the one who fouled out, and uh, you get uh, Oscar Shibway fouling out, and next thing you know, Sissoko is converting those alley-oop dunks, and uh, that was really one of the differences in the game. But it was also emotional for Tom Izzo after the game because he's been criticized a lot about his decision, and you know how stubborn he can be. When he makes up his mind to do something, and he's analyzed it, and he's committed to it, uh, he ain't changing. change it. And the idea that, you know, he didn't do his team justice by not going out and getting some uh, second-rate center uh, out of the transfer portal, uh, I'm sorry, but Hakeem Olajuwon wasn't there. And so, uh, you know, he looked at that, and he looked at a lot of options, and he decided to double down and believe in the improvement of his players and also the fact that this group could come together as a team didn't need someone else coming in. Yeah, there's always a chance you can get a portal guy and he can be Kenneth Walker the third. But more often than not, uh, where Michigan State was, that wasn't happening. And uh, he thinks that that has helped solidify this team and that the chemistry that they have right now, it didn't show up in two great upset wins. But I don't know anyone in the country who isn't impressed with what Michigan State has done. Yeah, absolutely.
6: How can you not be? You know, and then that was that was another topic of discussion uh, with some Michigan state people I was talking with after the game was where are they going to be ranked now? You know? And I was like, you know, they probably should have yeah. been this week. I know you don't really get points for losses, but man, the way they right. played against it, they probably should have been, um, but yeah, I mean, how could you not be impressed? And so I am curious to see where they'll end up in those, in those rankings. And, uh, you know, I do think um, that was a, the, the, there was a moment in those in press conference where he's asked sort of about that, you know, his faith in his roster yeah. uh, paying off, and you know, he, you had to fight back tears there, and it was pretty powerful. And he, he yeah. says, you know, this is what my program stands for, and this is what it always will, and uh, and I hope it always is that way, you know, type of thing. And, um, and you got to tip your hat. Even I think, you know, I disagreed with it. Look, I, I was in the camp that I thought he should have got somebody, but I always also said I admire the heck out of his reasoning behind it. You know, when you when yeah. you bring a guy in, you want to let it, you want to see it through. Uh, you don't want to step on people's toes that way necessarily. So I always admired that aspect of it, just like I admire a lot about you know his relationships with players, how he deals with, with those type of human off-the-court type of deals um, that cameras don't always see, always. But, yeah, basketball-wise, it, I, I did think that um, it was a mistake not to bring somebody in, and we'll see. You know, one injury or if, you know, just uh, development doesn't happen maybe with some of the younger guys, maybe that will still be a problem. But um, I absolutely understand him sort of taking a little victory lap there and, and soaking in the moment and everything um absolutely and it yeah this this looks like a team that's very connected I texted uh you know another Michigan State fan I'm really close with and I was like uh does this see you are you having fun watching this team and they're like oh gosh yes you know and I don't think there's been a lot of that lately really since Cassius Winston has. I don't know if there's been a lot of joy watching this team they just they feel connected um and I think part of that is you know the, the lack of a true star, it does feel like everybody's pitching in. And, you know, Sissoko being the poster boy of that, of just, like, playing above what people thought you could be, uh, being a team guy. And when you talk about him, I mean, yeah, Shibwe fouls out, Madi stays in the game. Like, he's not just – he's not walking on eggshells out there either. He's, he's finding ways right. to affect the game. Right. Still playing aggressive, but disciplined and under control. and That's what we – you know, just – that's why there was so much question in about him coming into this year because we hadn't seen any of that. You know, it's almost like giving him the runway to, to, to be the guy has, has really allowed him to just figure it out, what what he can and can't do and what he can and can't get away with. And uh, he definitely understands what his role is and what his value is to this team. Um, and so does everybody else. You know, they, I think they love him, and I think, I think all those guys are thrilled for what he's been doing. So, so far, it's like I said, really fun team to watch. It's uh, been a fun group to cover so far a uh, pretty good group of guys that are all just, you know, uh, fun to talk to, have, have good stories to them, good personalities and everything. So I'm uh, suddenly much more excited. You know, I thought this was going to be a little bit of a slog of the year. Yeah. Uh, probably quite a few low points, quite a few, you know, different chapters of, of, of different stages and everything. Uh, now I'm very, you know, I'm not a, I don't want to put football back in the closet for the year. Of course, you know me, I'm never going to want to do that, but, I'm suddenly much, much more interested in in what this team's going to be able to do this
5: year. Uh, As Tom suggested last night, and I I don't think he was being completely tongue-in-cheek, you know, his team is capable of going on a losing streak at any time. The the margin for error is still small. But who would have guessed, with a team that supposedly had such a strong backcourt and so many questions up front, that you would get Motti's contributions. You would get Joey Hauser last night with twice as many three-pointers as uh, the entire, uh, well, than any Kentucky player. No Kentucky player had more than two threes. Joey had four, and uh, Joey also had eight more baskets uh, than he did on the aircraft carrier. And I don't know any Michigan State player, uh, and I'm going back to 1969 on this, uh, who has had more important back-to-back dunks. Than Malik Hall had last night.
6: Right, right. Well, Joey, there's a, there's a, um, a screw it. I'm just playing to it, you know. It's yeah. almost I got to watch my words here. But there's a, yep. there's a, like yep. a, just an effort level to him, you know, yes. where he's just yes. like whatever. Just he let needs me that. just give me the ball. Yes. I'm just shooting it. I don't care. Not that right. I, not, I don't mean it in the sense like he truly doesn't care, but like there's just a freeness, a, a light, a, a lightness to him, whereas. I think his last couple of years there was there was a weight and a heaviness to him, not physically, but just you could see it was in his head. You could see the gears turning. He was hesitant. Yeah. He was testing those shots. Now it's like he's he's the middle schooler on the elementary school playground, and he wants to take all the shots. He wants to dominate and everything. I'm not saying he's doing that necessarily, but there's a confidence there and a freeness. It's like I can just I can just do this, you know. I can take this shot. I can make this move uh, and whatever. And I think that is more than anything else because he's always had the skill. He's always had the shot, but there's. This newfound sort of um, freedom, you know, and just freeness with uh, with which he's playing, I think, is really impressive. Malik Hall, I think, has a little bit of that too. Um, with him, I think, it's more of like a of like a clocked in, you know, for work type of approach. So he's the, right. he's just more about his business this year. He's you know he's very on task. Uh, I think last year he just sort of floated around and filled in here and there when the ball came to him and everything. He he's forcing the issue this year and it's helping Michigan State in, in several different respects. So. Um, he looks like he's taking the type of step that I think a lot of people have been waiting for for him, because he's always been kind of a jack-of-all-trades, and he really still is, but uh, it's bit, like I said, it's about asserting himself. I mean, he'd have these good games, and you know, 12-8 and 8 or whatever, and then we wouldn't see him for a week, you know, and then he'd come back and have another, you know, 10-6 and 6 or something, and be like, okay, there he is. So uh, those two guys, absolutely, Maddie mentioned. AJ, if he can clean up some of the turnovers, I, you know I'm still very high on him, and uh, what he can bring to this team, and, and I thought Jade Nakin showed a little bit of his, you know, killer instinct there at times. He's, he's very much still getting back into rhythm, I think that's pretty obvious, but uh, he, he uh, when he's fully back, I mean, that's just going to be another weapon for this team, and uh, yeah, they just they seem to like playing together, they seem to play well off of each other as a group, and, uh, you know, the smaller rotation probably feeds into all that, you know, just in terms of guys being together out there longer, um, guys trusting each other because they really have no other choice, uh, and just that that sweat equity equity that's built into all
5: that. Yeah, and I think this team can improve. It can get better than it has when you think about the backcourt. And last night, A.J. Hogard had five turnovers. He also had nine assists, but he had five turnovers, and some of them were really head-scratching. But if you look at what Tyson Walker, A.J. Hogard, and Jaden Akins were shooting, You're talking about 7 for 28. That is 25%. Uh, That is Max Christie level for the last two months of last season. Uh,
6: Poor Max. Uh, Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, absolutely. The turnovers, I mean, that almost sunk them early. And A.J. had a few of them. Like, it's, you know, some of them you do have to live with because of the spectacular passes he makes. Some of those are going to be spectacular failures, too, at times. And so there's a little bit of a. He does love the showman's play, you know, the, the spectacular highlight reel stuff. And when it works, it's awesome. Um, when it doesn't, though, sometimes you can go, man, sometimes the simple play is good, too. Uh, and then, yeah, I had uh, people talking to me um, saying uh, Tyson, you know, was still a little hesitant at times. And I thought their length early, uh, you know, they were more athletic and longer, I think, than Gonzaga. So I think their length early bothered him a little bit but obviously he got adjusted to it and figured it out as the game went on. i think even aj and, and all those perimeter guys really uh, had to deal with that a little bit and figure that out at first but um walker still has to figure out you know when to pull the trigger and how much you know more of course than, than he's doing now and just sort of uh, come to a better understanding of just what how much they need you know that that offensive presence from him and that that specific style that he brings offensively and when he where he can take shots and make shots and just what he can do with the ball. Um, so that, that'll work itself out, I think, you know. Um, it's kind of crazy that, like, in this day and age, that, that you got to tell a kid to shoot more, you know. Um, yeah. But that's uh, that's something. Um, and, yeah, I thought their defense, though, I mean, there's – man, if they can get better there, too, then, geez, they, they really will have some cooking because that was pretty impressive uh, throughout last night. And I thought they guarded pretty well against Gonzaga, so – Not a whole lot to hammer there, but, yeah, if they could take another step or two there, then, geez, um, that's something. So, uh, really, like I said, just really, really intriguing group they've got right now, and I can't wait to see what's ahead of them. All
5: right, Steven, uh, I want to take a quick turn to football, and (laughs) one week ago, while we were headed to the aircraft carrier, you came in uh, a day after uh, I did, but – Seventy-five degrees or seventy-four degrees, something like that here in in mid Michigan. Certainly over seventy. And uh, did you hear about Saturday morning coming up?
6: Yeah, was something like that. Something to say, you know, high sixties or something.
5: Uh, no, actually, uh, could be seven inches of snow.
6: Oh, oh, do you say this Saturday? Oh, this Saturday. This oh, sorry. Saturday. I thought you meant
5: uh, last week. Two to seven inches of snow expected by Saturday morning and a winter weather advisory through Friday and early Saturday
6: sweet well I did get most of my leaves done uh, the day before the snow hit uh, <laughs> earlier this week so that was that was uh, advantageous um, hmm well yeah, Indiana doesn't have a lot going for them <laughs> but the, the thing they did earlier in the year pretty well was they threw the ball around a lot so maybe that slows them down and because right. they can stay all of a sudden has some some um, they, you know, they sort of got some tread on their tires uh, in the run game. You know, late in the year, they they sort of found some traction there. So maybe that can hold up. Uh, that'd be a cool deal for Elijah Collins. I mean, I think he's a. I think Snow. You know, I think he's a guy that, you know, you just feed him the ball. He's gonna he's gonna churn out some good yards for you. So right. uh it'd be fun to see him if it's his last game. You know, we talked to him uh, the other day, and he said. He's sort of treating it like it is, but he said he's completely undecided, you know, about whether it actually is. He does have an extra gear in his pocket, and uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, maybe it would be here, maybe it'd be elsewhere, maybe he doesn't use it. I don't know what he's going to do, and it sounds like he doesn't. But uh, I know, um, I know how much appreciation fans have for him and whatnot. So I think that'd be a cool, uh, would be a potentially cool storyline if that were to unfold in his, uh, you know, potential last home game if he's sort of the lead guy back there and uh, can help them get a win.
5: Uh, Stephen, you talked about being uh, skeptical or critical of uh, Tom Izzo's approach, uh, not adding a player. I have to say that I was critical uh, of Joey Hauser last week and said that in some of these games, uh, he doesn't tend to show up. Uh, And you talked about how free he played last night. I love that. Same thing with Jalen Berger. And you've heard me say that I thought he was a, a disappointment for much of this year. And I thought he played his best football in every way last week, uh, running hard, hitting holes, making moves, catching the ball, uh, picking up uh, blitzes, uh, you name it. I think that was the best Jalen Berger we have seen. But I'm wondering uh, how many players, you talk about Elijah Collins, we might be seeing for uh, the last time here in Spartan Stadium on Senior Day. Obviously there are some whose eligibility is up, but there are others who have some time left. Would you expect that we'll see Peyton Thorne back at quarterback next year?
6: Oh, that's that's a tough one, honestly. Um I don't I don't know. <laughs> Lance, I, I don't know. Uh, I could see that going just about any way. I mean I could see him back on the roster for sure, but uh you know, the way this season's played out, I don't I don't think he would walk uh, I don't think he'd walk right back and in, into a guaranteed starting job or anything I think that would probably be up for grabs or uh, at least an evaluation of some degree uh, with with the other guys on the roster so um that's very hard to say and I don't think he's probably even really thought about it he's he's uh, he's a guy that's from what I can tell and from what I know just such a so locked in you know to, to being in the moment you kind of have to be in that in that position yeah. to you're not going to be in that position very long. Um, So I don't know what will end up there. I mean, Jaden leaves, and that's not that that they're tied at the hit necessarily, but, uh, you know, would he want to transfer elsewhere? Is his dad still going to be around at Western? Would that be appealing to him to play last year there? Does he want to make his run at the NFL? He is four years deep into college. I I just truly don't know there. But it is going to be an interesting deal because I don't know. I mean, Elijah could go do this ceremony, get his flowers and all that, and come right back next year. Uh, there's really only a handful of guys I think that are gone, yeah. gone. Like Xavier Henderson, he's gone, gone. Uh, we're gonna miss him so much in the media. <laughs> uh, Jacob Slade, I think, actually could come back, but I'd be stunned if he did. Yeah. Uh, and then Ben Van Sumeren, you know, he has, a, he does have an extra year, but he just told us on Tuesday that uh, he is not coming back. He's accepted his uh, Shrine yeah. Bowl, I think it is, invite, and so he's he's out. So. There's, a, there's not a lot of guys that are definitive, which is kind of interesting, and it'll still be that way, you know, for a couple of years until all the COVID guys cycle out. But with Thorne, man, I, I, simple, simple answers I just don't know.
5: Yeah. Bryce Beringer, we know that he will be done, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he, uh, and and uh, I would think that uh, Tyler Hunt would be done. But there are some others, and uh, it's going to be interesting to watch moving forward, certainly Michigan State, an active player
6: in the portal. Steven, I know you have. Uh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say it's time. The time's running short. Bryce Banger has to get his his fake field or his fake punt in. I'm sorry. Uh, that used to be a rite of passage almost. You know, for all the great punters yeah. that came through here. He hasn't had his moment yet. Uh, he's been on the field. You know, they did the direct snap to Hayward that one time last year. Um, but yeah. I need to see the ball in Bryce's hands and making, seeing him doing something with it. Uh, that's the last thing he needs on his resume, which otherwise is basically spotless. Uh, so I'm, I'm really really trying to wheel that into existence so he gets the ball in his hands and gets to make something happen.
5: Well, he might have to snowboard down the field uh, Saturday <laughs> at Spartan Stadium. Steven, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it.
6: All right. Thanks, Chuck. I'll see you soon.
5: You got it. Uh, we will be right back, and we're going to talk with Lauren Tate, uh, Champagne News-Gazette, WDWS. Covering the Illini, find out what has happened to this team that looked like it was uh, dominant. It was a top 15 team. Now it looks like it's headed for a third straight loss Saturday at Michigan. And Ryan Black, who covers Kentucky football and basketball, saw him yesterday and joined us, but we had some technical problems. He's going to be back with us. We'll be right back on The Drive with Jack. Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping experience for Spartan fans with everything you need to show your Michigan State pride. They have the largest and best selection of apparel for the entire family. Nike, Cutter & Buck, Columbia, Champion, plus their two for $38 tees. And you can't miss their great gifts and accessories. Make sure your family is game ready. Check them out in Lansing's Eastwood Town Center or anytime at alumnihall.com. That's Alumni Hall or Spartan Fan Shop. If your next event or holiday party has you feeling stressed and overwhelmed, don't be. Voted Lansing's Best New Restaurant by top of the town, One North Kitchen and Bar has catering for every occasion from an award-winning chef. Book your next event by calling 517-901-5001. One North is the perfect place to get with family and friends for all the big games. Also voted Lansing's Best Sports Bar, They have over 40 TVs, feature scratch cooking, amazing craft cocktails, and the largest draft beer selection in West Lansing. That's One North Kitchen and Bar, where friends and family gather to make good times
0: great. Time for a career change? Looking to make a difference? Dean Transportation is looking for compassionate people to join our dedicated team of school bus professionals. Dean Transportation has immediate openings and offers paid training to obtain a commercial driver's license. With increased starting pay, benefit packages, flexible scheduling with weekday hours and more, Dean Transportation may be the career choice for you. No experience needed. Apply now and train all summer. Head to deanjobs.com.
8: So, it's been a while since you've had your jewelry cleaned and inspected, right? Where will you go and who will you trust with your most valuable and treasured heirlooms? At Medawar Jewelers' four locations in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage, jewelry isn't just our job, it's our passion. Each and every piece entrusted in our care is thoroughly inspected by our trained staff against damage or normal wear. And we offer you, our customer, the highest level of quality on repairs and custom designs. Whether it's worn out prongs, channels, or shanks, it's all handled with incredible care. Metawar Jewelers in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage want to help you preserve your memories and offer you options on creating new ones. Come in today for the cleaning and inspection of your jewelry. We continue to work hard every day to earn your confidence and trust.
5: Jack Ebeling here with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graph Chevrolet and Graph Nissan. A lot more traffic out here, and it looks like you got some new inventory
1: coming. Finally, Jack, it's getting there. We're not back to the good old days, but we're certainly getting better. We've got more Chevys, more Nissans than we've had in probably a year. 2023s are starting to hit the ground, so it's a great time to come out and look for a new vehicle. And if you're looking to maintain your current one, don't forget we've got a great service parts and body shop as well.
5: Stop out and see Matt and the gang here on West Grand River and no They're making friends.
2: Culver's could have only started in Wisconsin. Our team member, Nick, will tell you why. Oh, yeah, that's an easy one. Wisconsin is the dairy state, so naturally, Culver's was inspired by everyone's favorite rich and creamy tradition, frozen custard. We make our fresh frozen custard in small batches in every Culver's. It's a match, or (laughs) batch, made in heaven. Come have a taste of Wisconsin. Welcome to delicious. Delicious.
5: When you want Spartan gear, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping destination. They always deliver the best and newest selection of apparel for the whole family. Nike, Cutter & Buck, Columbia, Champion, plus accessories, Yeti, hats, and all things Spartan. Spartan students, faculty, and military enjoy 10% off in-store every day. Check them out in Lansing or at alumnihall.com to make sure you are game ready. It's Alumni Hall. Where Spartan fans shop. Welcome back. It is the Drive with Jack Spotlight Radio Network. Jack Eppling here with my producer, Rob Bennett. All of our Wednesday shows brought to you by Graf Avocamus, Graf Chevrolet, and Graf Nissan, side by side on West Grand River. 108 years in the automobile business. All right, I want to welcome in someone who has not been around 108 years, but uh, he's uh, in that neighborhood. We're talking about. Lauren Tate has been a sports editor, sports editor emeritus. Uh, He has been a fixture uh, on radio in Champaign-Urbana, covering the fighting Illini uh, for that paper, uh, News Gazette, since 1966. Lauren, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. uh, Take it easy on the introduction now. (laughs) Hey, are are you doing better uh, right now at age 90 than the Illini football team? Well, yeah, and
3: I just made 91. So how about that?
5: 91!
3: (laughs) You're my hero. Uh, Well, no, the the football team, it's really hard to judge this year because we really haven't played a schedule with anybody that has really done anything this year. Although I think Iowa's coming on late here, and I I wouldn't be surprised if Iowa doesn't wind up in the – in the in the in the game December the 3rd but nevertheless uh, Illinois has had a, a, a 7-3 season which is better than we thought in the beginning and now
5: it's disappointing right. because they lost two in a row. Right. Right. How did that happen? How did Illinois go from one of the best stories of the year and ranked so highly in uh, all of the statistical departments and now uh, hanging on for dear life part of this four-way tie? Atop the Big Ten West, but with this challenge at Michigan Stadium, it's uh, there aren't a lot of people who don't think Illinois is going to be four and four in the league come Saturday night.
3: Yeah, well, I think we always felt like that. We always knew the Michigan game was coming. We always have that marked down as a loss, probably. And the yeah. fact is that that the other teams that Illinois had played at were all disappointments in their own communities. I mean, yeah. two of the teams f- fired their own coaches. Before the season was over, you know, Michigan State has been very disappointing up to that point. I think, yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, it was a case of these teams are pretty close to talent wise. I don't think there's, mm-hmm. there's a big difference talent wise, but Illinois made a lot of mistakes. And in the in the Purdue game it was all officiating. I mean, not officiating. It was penalties, yeah. some some of which were questionable. But uh, nevertheless, uh, you know, when you get over a hundred yards in penalties, it really hurts. And, and actually. Yeah. The key touchdown for uh, Purdue was, was made a, over a 70-yard march. 51 yards of it were penalties. 51-yard wow. penalties in, in, in one
5: drive. So We think back to it, it, Alabama and that loss at Tennessee, and uh, that was uh, on a last-play field goal, Lauren. But Alabama had 17 penalties in that mm-hmm. game, so eventually uh, it's hard to beat a quality opponent if you're going to beat yourself.
3: That's right, and you and it, it was just one of those games where everything kind of went wrong. And now we don't know going to Michigan whether Chase Brown's going to play. I know you'll ask me that, and I can't tell you what's going to happen. It'll probably be a game time decision, but uh, whether wow. they can get him ready this week, he was hurt on the in the last 17 seconds of the Dern game. Imagine, and twisted his ankle. And I I think there's a 60 40 chance he might play. I mean that's just me talking. I don't really have any information. Uh, because they're not giving it out, and I'm sure they won't give it out. The rest of the, it, yeah. It'll be something that they carry with them up there and keep it a secret. If they can. Well,
5: there goes my idea that uh, Illinois could do uh, the impossible. It would be the, one of the great stories of the year. How often have the Illini beaten the Wolverines that you've been covering? <laughs> not very well, often, right? Not very often. I 1983. Yeah. 1989. I, I, I... Or 1999, rather.
3: Right. Rocky yeah. Harvey. Yeah. Uh,
5: that was a crazy game with uh, uh, Johnson or Juice Williams, right? That was a uh, uh, Illinois win. I can only think of about five times.
3: Well, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna look it up for you since you asked me, and I haven't done that. But uh, uh, has not happened often. Okay, uh, '93. Ninety nine, okay. yeah, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Okay. That's it. Since uh, ni- since the early nineties, yeah. Okay. What I, what I was going to say was, and I'll ask you. I think yeah. that this might be the biggest upset in Illinois history if they pull it, yeah. based on what my uh, view of our team is and what my view of Michigan is. Now, yeah, Illinois beat. You know, Illinois uh, beat Michigan State in 1956, twenty to thirteen, on two great yes. runs by Abe Woodson. That right. that Illinois team was one and three going into the game, yeah. and they never won a game after that, as the, as yeah. the final four. That was the game. That was it. They beat they beat the number one team in the country, and never won another game, and only won one game before that. Oh. Can you Between believe that? Between
5: Abe Woodson, Rod Woodson, and Charles Woodson, they don't ever want to see another Woodson. Here in East Lansing, but but I, I was going to say, uh, Lauren, that this could be one of the all-time shockers. Uh, mm-hmm. Illinois could win the Big Ten championship by beating Michigan twice in the span of 15 days if they if they beat uh, the Wolverines, and it's not going to affect anything in the East. It's going to be the Michigan Ohio State winner, regardless of what happens this week. Yeah. And uh, then if Michigan beats Ohio State, Illinois and Michigan could have a rematch in Indianapolis, <laughs> and with a healthy Chase Brown, eh, the Illini I might as well just beat him again. You are a dreamer. <laughs>
3: but I want to tell you about another game. I want to tell you about another game. Yeah. 1939. Yeah. Remember that Ooh. year? I Tommy Harmon. Tommy Harmon was in okay. in route to, uh, a year later to win the Heisman. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the Illinois was, had no wins in four games going in. And beat Michigan sixteen to seven in an incredible upset, and they weren't very yeah. good after that either. Right. I don't think, but in, in any case, they beat Tommy Harmon one year, and that's been considered for for, for decades the biggest upset of all time. But um, you know, that's so far that's so long ago. Who knows? But uh, Illinois was winless in four games and beat number two Michigan. So I guess this type of thing is possible, but boy, it's, it's a long shot when you know that. Michigan's better at almost every position, offensively yeah. and defensively. I mean, although they, they haven't played the schedule either, maybe that no, you know,
5: and it <laughs> could cost them. It could yeah. really cost them as a one-loss team if they yeah. are eleven and one, don't get to play in a championship game, and you look at their quality wins.
0: Now, mm-hmm. Illinois
5: is not such a quality win. No, uh, what's on <laughs> Michigan's resume? At Penn State, uh, dominant well, performance that to play day. All- but both, at least. Yeah, yeah. And I think they have a great chance to win that game, depending on the weather. If it's bad weather, I really like <laughs> I... Michigan in that game. But as far as Illinois goes, we know what Red Grange did. And this is even before your time, Lauren. Mm-hmm. We know uh, what Red Grange did uh, with those uh, those four touchdowns so fast. But
4: mm-hmm. I think you yep. could
5: put uh, Dick Butkus, Jim Grabowski, Jack Trudeau, and Simeon Rice on this Illinois team. I'm not sure they could win Saturday.
3: Yeah, I know. I, I, it's just it's overwhelming how it, it's amazing how good Michigan has gotten uh, each year, uh, and finally getting past Ohio State. They, that was that was their one hurdle. They they were a pretty good football team except for that game, yeah. over in Harbaugh's tenure, and Harbaugh's got it rolling now. And when he gets it rolling, boy, he's hard to stop.
5: Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. Again, who have they beaten? Uh, I saw them lose last year here in East Lansing. And uh, the year before that, uh, you know, they'd lost twice as many as they won. And so, uh, you know, I I don't know. I I have to see them in that game. I think Michigan is going to play very well. But, uh, again, we will have to wait and see. Uh, Who do you like in that uh, Iowa-Minnesota game?
3: I like Iowa in every game because their defense is so good. Uh, I know statistically Minnesota's very close to them, but I, yeah. I like Iowa. I'm just uh, – I think I, – I thought the job Iowa did on Wisconsin and and yeah. Purdue, I mean, they're, they're rolling. But offensively, they're not very good, but they just don't give up many points.
5: Right, right. Well, if their defense can score twice, uh, they're in good shape. Yeah. Uh,
3: I wonder how long you can keep doing that,
5: though. I really do. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of uh... – uh, borrowed time when, you, when you're trying to win that way. Uh, before we go, Lauren, I, I want to touch base on Illini basketball. Mm-hmm. And this is going to sound like a silly question, but I know the passion for uh, Illinois hoops in central Illinois, and I know on your Saturday morning show, you talk basketball, or, or could, 52 weeks a year.
3: That's right. Do you think
5: the fan base would rather have a big win at home uh, is it Friday against UCLA? Well, that's a, that's in Las Vegas. That game is that game oh, that's being in Las Vegas. Oh, well, that's mm-hmm. even better. Uh, <laughs> the fans would rather go to Las Vegas and uh, see the Illini. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. They would they rather win, that over or win over Michigan.
3: Well. Obviously, I think that they'd rather have a win over Michigan in football because that's just so. I mean, basketball is just starting, and it isn't a conference game. Yeah. It is UCLA, but no, I, I'm the people that we had a really good crowd to the Michigan State game, and we had a right. good, you know, we had them packed in there and and excited and and hopeful, and yeah. and you know, they, they just got their and it was such a windy day. You ask what happened, and right, right. the weather's been a big factor the last two games. I'm, I yeah. mean, Illinois handle it very well
4: and right, uh,
3: right, right. so uh, you know i I think that if, if they could beat Michigan then you go back to the northwestern game and and that's that's what about all you'd need to clinch the uh, yeah the, the division yeah I mean well, we've hey, got, uh,
4: got,
3: you know we've, we've got the uh I guess you know I don't know with Purdue now if Purdue tied us I don't know what that would be if there's a three or four way tie.
5: That, that it depends brings, which teams are involved because yeah. there are lots well, of different if it was, permutations. Yeah, if, I mean, if it's different if it's Purdue, Minnesota it's, involved than if it's Iowa involved.
3: Mm-hmm, yeah, it changes. I it. don't. Yeah,
5: and I don't. I don't think
3: Purdue's going to lose to in Indiana. And I don't think they're going to oh. lose either. And and, and yeah. I'm I'm confident I will. Be, I think I will beat Minnesota. If not, Minnesota's got a chance to be. It's still got a chance to be there too.
5: But, you know, Purdue looks pretty good in a matchup there. Uh, A lot depends on that Iowa-Minnesota game for everyone else. Last thing for you, Lauren, uh, this Illinois-UCLA game, are they playing for the Gene Bartow Trophy? (laughs) Well, he 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 didn't stick around here very long when he had a chance to go to
3: UCLA. One year, but... uh you know i i i think these teams are very similar and they're very yeah. very athletic we're we're yes. We're awfully yes. athletic, and so are they yeah. now we're we may have found a center uh Dane Danes is playing pretty good on the post and he's okay scoring well and he's rebounding hard and and so uh he's coming off the bench so far I don't know how long that'll go,
5: but uh, they, apparently they there are some centers be. who are just appearing uh Matty Sissoko uh, in uh these two teams. Mm-hmm for Michigan State yep. uh, has been a real find. So looking yep. forward to that, <laughs> Lauren. Uh, have fun uh, with the Wolverines on Saturday. Uh, can't say uh, well, I, like I, I want to mention real quick, is yeah. the guy that knocked, knocked Io out, you know,
3: in the game and, and really set him back. If you remember, he uh, he had to yes. wear a mask That's the
5: season of <laughs> He broke his nose. I'm sure he'll be a very popular player in Champaign. <laughs> Jack, good to hear from you. All right. Thanks, Lauren. We're going to stay right here, and we're going to welcome in for the second straight day, uh, backed by popular demand, or backed by my demand, I'm not sure which, uh, Ryan Black did a great job here as a storyteller for the Lansing State Journal. That doesn't mean he made things up. It means he was great at telling sports stories, and now he is the beat writer for the Kentucky Wildcats, for the uh, – louisville courier journal and we saw him last night uh, at michigan state's double overtime win over kentucky i think there are some fans uh it was hard to get them out of gainbridge Fieldhouse. they were still stunned after the game okay oh, right? jack am I, am I there with you yeah yeah go ahead no, I, say, yeah, uh, so, I just
9: want to make sure i didn't know how long the introduction was going to be well, yeah, Jack, I mean, I don't know if it was backed by popular demand or your demand, but I felt bad about dropping you yesterday. So, I mean, I'm glad to, glad to be back on here. Um, you know, first of all, I just want to say, uh, you know, Jack, I obviously don't have as many years covering games as you do, but I got to say that was one of the best regular season college basketball games yeah. that I've yeah. I've ever covered. I don't know kind of yeah. if you had a chance in your mind to kind of rank it in your yeah. head, but that was that was a great game yesterday.
5: I thought it was one of the top ten games of the ISO era, now in year 28, and I thought it was the best of the 24 Champions Classics. Uh, I've seen 10 of the 12 in person. And uh, this game had a little bit of everything. And i uh, tell you what, uh, I wouldn't want to be the guy who tries to take that National Player of the Year award away from Oscar Shibwe. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, I think... You know, Jack,
9: there was certainly a lot of conjecture and, and and expectation that he was gonna play. Uh certainly I did one, I did not think he would play, you know, close to thirty four minutes. And two, you know, even as great as he is, I I think, you know, everyone seemed to be fairly amazed that he, you know, was able to get a double double as quickly as he did and and certainly it seemed like you know, maybe if he doesn't foul out, you know, maybe Kentucky yeah. ends up pulling that game out. But right. you know, you just gotta you gotta give Michigan State a tremendous amount of credit for the plays they made. Kind of just when, whenever they needed to make a play, they made it to keep extending the game, and then finally, you know, they ended it on a, what was a fourteen to one run, which you know kind of reminded me a little bit of the way the, the NCAA tournament game last year against Duke ended. You remember, is that you know Michigan State had that five point lead was about four yeah. minutes ago, and then Duke just kind of you know, put it on him at the very end. That's kind of what it reminded me of there at the very end.
5: I don't think I've seen a game where a player got 18 boards. Uh, Oscar Shibway had uh, six offensive rebounds, 12 at the defensive end, and another player, Cason Wallace, had eight steals, eight, and his team lost. Yeah,
9: you know, and – Again, Jack, you know the thing about about Wallace was you know he, he's a guy that came in with with this pedigree of being a great defender as a freshman. But uh, you know I mentioned in my story from last night I to think I don't think anybody could have expected that he would be able to get that many right. seals in his third game of, of his college career, especially you know <laughs> against against Michigan State. You know I know Michigan had eight, 18 turnovers, but I'm sure you know this, Jack. They didn't have a single turnover in those two
5: overtime periods. That's right, that's right, and uh, that was. Pretty important because Tom Izzo had used all of his adjectives. He'd gone through the entire Upper Peninsula Dictionary uh, on the bench there talking about those turnovers, and then uh, he didn't have to talk about them anymore. And after the game, he was about as happy as I've seen him after a regular season game.
9: Was that also the most emotional you'd ever seen him at the very end? I mean, the way he kind of had to compose himself before he answered that last question?
5: Yeah, there were a couple of times I can think – uh, where they did that. I remember a win over Wisconsin when they could not beat the Badgers and finally did that, uh, beat a number one-ranked Wisconsin team in 2007, drew Neitzel's shot, bouncing around the rim and, and falling through. Uh, I remember the first time, first time that uh, he beat Michigan, and uh, that was 1998. That led to a Big Ten championship. Very emotional especially in light of the cheating scandal and all the things that mm-hmm. uh, he felt that uh, that had, had really short-circuited Judd Heathcote's career. He was very, very emotional that night. But uh, this was probably one of the top three in regular season play. Well, the one that,
9: I mean, I, I got to ask about, Jack, I don't know if you would have been out there. D- didn't this would have been with the Shannon Brown year. Didn't they play a triple overtime game against Gonzaga in Maui? Uh,
5: yeah, they did. Uh uh, that was the Adam Morrison-led uh, yep, yep. Gonzaga team, and uh, yes, that's correct. Yep, you know, and uh, Michigan State uh, traded basket for basket uh, in that game, and uh, eventually triple overtime came up, came up just short. But uh, I think last did you, did, you, did, they, did you get to fly out there for that, Jack?
9: Did you cover that one in person?
5: Yeah, I've, I've covered enough of these that. Uh, you know, I, someone asked me if I covered a game in 1939. I took that as an insult. But, uh, <laughs> but I thought that last night was uh, pretty high-caliber basketball, and it's no secret that uh, these four teams have been invited back for another round of Champions Classics uh, the next three years. Uh, next year will be in Chicago, and then after that, I'm understanding it will be in Atlanta and New York although that has not been announced yet. And uh, Kentucky gets Kansas next year. Uh, Michigan State will battle Duke. Different in the second game. I don't know if you got to see any of that, Ryan, but to look at the Duke bench and uh, no Mike Krzyzewski, you know, John Shire. He looks like he's about 16. And then you look down at the Kansas bench and, you know, no Bill Self. They told him to go stand in the corner for a couple of games. So uh, very, very different. And uh, Michigan State and Kentucky, now both five and seven in the Champions Classic. Uh, Michigan State winning two of the last three, and uh, Kentucky losing three in a row. And the uh, Spartans and Wildcats are two and two in the series. Yeah, you know, you, I remember seeing this stat. You know, right before John Shire's first game as coach
9: was, I saw, and uh, it was the first time someone other than Mike Krzyzewski had been the Duke coach since Jimmy Carter. president which is is kind of mind-boggling to really think about
5: yeah Uh, what do you think the reaction is uh, for Kentucky fans now Uh, obviously another top-ranked recruiting class number one uh, in the nation coming in so the future is always bright in Lexington Mm -hmm. but it's been 25 seasons of top-ranked recruiting classes and first-round picks, and one national title. Uh, how's that going over uh, in thoroughbred country? I mean,
9: certainly uh, not not, not well. Uh, you know, on top of this, Jack, you know, it's been seven years since, since they've been to a Final Four, period. You know, much less, like you said, winning a national title, which they did with the Anthony Davis group of freshmen. But, uh, you know, Last night, you know, the fan base was pretty upset about some of the defensive lapses that allowed Michigan State, you know, to tie on both those dunks. Obviously, Mm -hmm. people were extremely frustrated about, you know, how Michigan State basically shot lights out from the free throw line and Kentucky did not. Uh, And they just did not like, you know, Calipari getting up there in the press conference and admitting that he told Izzo after the game you had your team more prepared for a late game situation than I did, which – yeah, don't get me wrong, Jack. I I understand why fans wouldn't like hearing that. But he, he, what he really was just saying is that you know his like you know he he's had to work in Sheboy. Uh, Severe Wheeler is you know is still being worked in. Damian Collins, another key rotational player, had also missed the first two games. He was just saying that Izzo, especially with the game they had against Gonzaga, had been already been working on late game situations in a sense whereas Kentucky had two blowouts to start the year, and so obviously you're not working you working late games and stuff when you're up by twenty five points with a minute to play.
5: All right. What hurts worse, Ryan, uh, in the Commonwealth? Uh, Kentucky basketball losing a double overtime game, uh, like last night, one that the fans were celebrating twice with five-point leads, or the football loss to Vanderbilt? Well, I mean, uh,
9: Jack, well, Jack if, maybe if this had been an Elite Eight or Final Four game, I think it would be a tougher call. But, Jack, I mean, there's just no way you can explain around the fact that Sandy had gone more than three years, three, three years, the third-longest losing streak in the history of the SEC, and you're the team they beat to snap that streak. I mean, especially given that, Jack, you know, they were undefeated through four games. Will Levis, a quarterback, got hurt in the Ole Miss game. That was a battle of undefeated. Uh, Just the the wheels have completely fallen off the wagon here in the second half of the season for – kentucky i mean this saturday's game against top-ranked georgia is going to be tough and then they close with a resurgent louisville squad so you you might go from being four and no to potentially finishing the regular season six and six here
5: well uh some work ahead for mark stoops team i understand uh uh in nashville uh vanderbilt uh they have the play she stoops to conquer and uh, they're working on that right now so uh, very, very, uh, a great day for Vanderbilt. A tough week for Kentucky. And I hope we will get to talk to you again soon, Ryan. And hey, I hope we see you uh, in the NCAA tournament. And uh, might as well make it the Final Four. Mate, hey, you know, Jack, that would be, that would
9: be, that would be great. I would really, uh, I hope I do get to run into you guys again soon down the road.
5: Ryan Black, he did a great job while he was here. I can say that. Uh, they've had a lot of talented people in that position, but uh, I really enjoyed uh, Ryan's perspective and, and his way of asking a question. I can tell you the Michigan State coach is uh, going to miss that accent too, Mel Tucker uh, in particular. We will be back in just a minute, and in hour two, you're going to hear from Audrey Dahlgren, sports director at uh, WLNS Channel 6. And the plan is to talk with Jim Branstadter longtime voice of the Wolverines
7: and the
5: Detroit Lions. We'll be right back. Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping experience for Spartan fans with everything you need to show your Michigan State pride. They have the largest and best selection of apparel for the entire family. Nike, Cutter & Buck, Columbia, Champion, plus their two for $38 tees. And you can't miss their great gifts and accessories. Make sure your family is game ready. Check them out in Lansing's Eastwood Town Center or anytime at alumnihall.com. That's Alumni Hall. Spartan Fan Shop. If your next event or holiday party has you feeling stressed and overwhelmed, don't be. Voted Lansing's Best New Restaurant by Top of the Town, One North Kitchen and Bar has catering for every occasion from an award-winning chef. Book your next event by calling 517-901-5001. One North is the perfect place to get with family and friends for all the big games. Also voted Lansing's Best Sports Bar, They have over 40 TVs, feature scratch cooking, amazing craft cocktails, and the largest draft beer selection in West Lansing. That's One North Kitchen and Bar, where friends and family gather to make good times great.
0: Time for a career change? Looking to make a difference? Dean Transportation is looking for compassionate people to join our dedicated team of school bus professionals. Dean Transportation has immediate openings and offers paid training to obtain a commercial driver's license. With increased starting pay, benefit packages, flexible scheduling with weekday hours and more, Dean Transportation may be the career choice for you. No experience needed. Apply now and train all summer. Head to deanjobs.com. So, it's been a while
8: since you've had your jewelry cleaned and inspected, right? Where will you go and who will you trust with your most valuable and treasured heirlooms? At Meadowar Jewelers 4 locations in Lansing, Okamis, Jackson and Portage, jewelry isn't just our job, it's our passion. Each and every piece entrusted in our care is thoroughly inspected by our trained staff against damage or normal wear. And we offer you, our customer, the highest level of quality on repairs and custom designs. Whether it's worn-out prongs, channels, or shanks, it's all handled with incredible care. Medawar Jewelers in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage want to help you preserve your memories and offer you options on creating new ones. Come in today for the cleaning and inspection of your jewelry. We continue to work hard every day to earn your confidence and trust. Medawar Jewelers. Lord.
5: Jack Ebling here with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graff Chevrolet and at Graf Nissan. A lot more traffic out here, and it looks like you got some new inventory
1: coming. Finally, Jack, it's getting there. We're not back to the good old days, but we're certainly getting better. We've got more Chevys, more Nissans than we've had in probably a year. 2023s are starting to hit the ground, so it's a great time to come out and look for a new vehicle. And if you're looking to maintain your current one, don't forget we've got a great service parts and body shop as well.
5: Stop out and see Matt and the gang here on West Grand River and They're making friends.
2: Culver's could have only started in Wisconsin. Our team member, Nick, will tell you why. Oh, yeah, that's an easy one. Wisconsin is the dairy state, so naturally, Culver's was inspired by everyone's favorite rich and creamy tradition, frozen custard. We make our fresh frozen custard in small batches in every Culver's. It's a match, or (laughs) batch, made in heaven. Come have a taste of Wisconsin. Welcome to delicious.
5: Welcome back. It is The Drive with Jack, the Spotlight Radio Network. Jack Ebeling here with my producer, back from vacation, Rob Bennett. Rob, let's go right out to our guest line. Very happy to welcome in Audrey Dahlgren. She is the sports director, lead anchor for WLNS Channel 6. Also does an increasing amount of work for BTN, and she's going to be busy again Saturday at Michigan Stadium. Odd, how are you?
10: Hey, Jack, I'm doing well. How are you? Nice to see you made it back from Indianapolis, (laughs)
4: safe and sound.
5: (laughs) Yeah, that was uh, quite the night. Uh, You know how those special basketball games can be. You were just that one out on the aircraft carrier.
10: Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, it's watching that game last night from back here in East Lansing. It still had, you know, kind of what I said from the game on Friday when I did a report for our fifth quarter show is that, that game, again, last night, just like the game on the aircraft carrier, had all the feels of an NCAA tournament game, and it's week yes. one of the season. <laughs> so <laughs> that's exciting.
5: <laughs> I heard from so many fans, Odd, who said, oh, no, not again. They're going to play well. They're going to be right there. You know, they were down five a couple times late, and then down by a basket at the end of regulation and uh, at the end of the first overtime. But they managed to escape Houdini-like. And can you imagine what it would have been like to be 0-2 and play that well? Well,
10: I mean, yeah. Everybody who mentioned that to you had every right to say that because watching it play out, it almost was deja vu-like, you know, as it was starting to go on. But, you know, thankfully for Michigan State, history did not repeat itself. Not only were they able to (laughs) – you know, I'll say this, uh, the plays – the plays last night that Michigan yeah. State was able to draw up was yeah. just incredible. You know the yeah. inbound pass to Malik Hall to yeah. send it into the first overtime, and on the play that they drew up, it was it forced to go to the second overtime? I mean, it right. was uh, that was some that was some good work by you know Tom Izzo and the assistants.
5: Tom Izzo has a reputation, odd in basketball circles, as being one of the best, if not the best, coach. In timeouts and coming out of timeouts with set plays, you'll see how often a player dribbles over to him to that uh, hash mark and calls timeout with about 15 seconds left in a half or in a game. And a lot of people say, you know, why do you call timeout there? Why don't you just let it go? You're giving the defense a chance to set up. But Tom likes his chances with something that they have run hundreds of times. Uh, with the timing of that, and it worked out perfectly last night. He made certain to credit his assistants last night. He said, (laughs) wait a minute, this one wasn't something that that was my master stroke, that we had input from a lot of people on the sideline. I know Mark Montgomery and Doug Wojcik uh, had a lot to do with that, and and I sense Thomas Kelly also had some input.
10: You know, and it just, you know, you go back to mentioning how, yeah, why would you want to give, you know, the opponent time to – figure out maybe what you're going to run or, or what you're going to call or what you're going to do. And I actually, I've, I've had a couple of people ask me that over these last couple of games and why does, you know, why does Izzo do that? You know, what's the, what's yeah. the motive behind it? And it's almost like, you know, if you paid attention to, you know, Michigan state basketball over the years, that's just how he likes to do it. You know, because he, right. he feels that if he has an opportunity, you know, final possession, You know, he runs the clock down as much as possible to get one, you know, play in to potentially win it or tie it. You know, that's what he wants to do. That's what he's always going to do. So, in those situations, you know, anybody should automatically know by watching that if that ever Michigan State's ever in a situation like that, you know, Izzo is going to call timeout and give his guys, you know, that opportunity to either try to win it or tie it.
5: It would have been one of the all time. Uh, (laughs) puzzlers if Michigan State had lost odd because they outshot Kentucky from the field, outshot him from three-point range, much better at the free throw line, and somehow managed to out-rebound Oscar Shibway and company by seven in this game. And still, it took everything Michigan State had, and it's a good thing that they hadn't enacted Graham Couch's six-foul rule or Oscar would have still been in the game in the second overtime, and Michigan State had no answer for him.
10: Yeah, and, you know, I want to go to the play of Maddie Sissoko because yes. Mati was phenomenal in that game, and not just because of the fact that he was able to score a career-high 16 points. You know, you speak about big man, you are right. talking about Oscar, but, you know, not just because of his 16 points that he was able to have. I mean, those alley-oop yeah. dunks number one. Then on top of right. that, he was making his free throws. Then on top of that, you know, when's the last, I mean, when do you see, you know, six foot nine centers like him diving on the floor all throughout the game for loose balls, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that part, I thought, was those little, those instances in the games in the game was more impressive to me, I think, than the scoring aspect. Just the fact that, you know, he's he's doing all those little gritty things in order to, you know, get Michigan State a win.
5: Whenever you have a college game odd that lasts 50 minutes, there are so many little plays in it that go unnoticed. But you just mentioned one of them. Uh, Matty Sizoko with three steals, a team-high three steals. You don't normally see that from a center. And Jackson Kohler, in his brief appearance, delighted Tom Izzo by diving on the floor for a loose ball and making a recovery, and that says, "Oh, you know, what does that mean?" Well, that might have meant the game.
10: Yeah, oh, absolutely. And there was another one of those. Yeah, you brought up with that one steal that Monty had when he took it—the length of the court—and he was kind of, yeah. Um,
4: yeah.
10: you know, too bad he didn't make the layup on the end because yeah. I think you know the roof uh, would have blown off of gamebridge yeah. Field House. But right. uh, you know, right. for uh, that is something that if you would have, if you would have. Um, you know, looked at Mottie's game from last year to this year. I mean, that that play right there is one that goes, wow, okay, he did make a significant improvement from last year to this season, playing on a whole different level.
5: From a team standpoint, Odd, you know, we think about the opener against Northern Arizona, and it was was okay. Uh, Struggled a little bit uh, at times. Great in the first eight minutes, but – Only got eight free throws in that game. And I remember afterward uh, asking Tom that question. He said, we want 20 every game. We want 20 free throw attempts. Last night, Michigan State got 27 shots at the line and made 23, 23 out of 27, and outscored Kentucky by seven free throws in a nine-point game.
10: Well, that's how they were able to hold on in the second half against Gonzaga is because yeah, they were yeah. 14 of 17 in the second half from the line. Yeah. So yeah. Michigan State is just one of those teams where they, you know, they can get the edge at the line like that, you know, that you, and, you know, for traditionally um, with so much with how much they work on free throws, you yeah. can see that's why it'd be a big emphasis.
5: Yeah, that makes them 37 for 44. 37 for 44 at the stripe over the last three halves. And that's a good way uh, in, in close games to keep a lead or, or protect whatever you have earned thus far. So when you think about uh, the experience on the aircraft carrier and now this, uh, Michigan State, no time for the weary here to, to rest up. Uh, they come, come back now. They were back late last night and uh, get Villanova uh, Friday night uh, what do you what do you make of that challenge maybe it is not a vintage Villanova team in terms of a program that's won 3 national championships here but certainly one that you look at and you say uh most big ten teams this would be their toughest game it'll be Michigan State's third toughest in in four games
10: yeah and i think it's just another good test of a non-conference slate that you know Izzo likes to build and want wants his team to experience, you know, the Gavit tip off. This game is a part of the Gavit tip off game, uh-huh. you know, series. And, you know, that's always, um, you know, something that's fun for, I think, for, you know, the team and the program to be a part of is, you know, Izzo likes to be a part of these kinds of events. And so um, I just think it's just be another really good uh, test, another good example of, you know, kind of maybe what this team is made of to maybe see if they can stay consistent and can can, can continue to improve in some areas. But, you know, the one thing I think would be important in this game on Friday is to see if Joey Hauser can also have the performance that he had against Kentucky because he had a good performance against Northern Arizona, but then against Gonzaga he only had two points. But then last night he has, you know, he leads Michigan State with 23 So it's like, okay, what are you going to do on Friday against Villanova? Are you going to be able to, you know, stay consistent in that situation? And I think Michigan State needs that. They need Joey Hauser to be that shooter, that scorer.
5: Right, right, exactly. Uh, He had eight more baskets last night than he had on the carrier. But I want to ask you, someone who was there, a first-timer for the carrier, to – uh, maybe sum that up as you remember it, and as you would express it to someone, if you had fifteen seconds to describe it.
10: I would say that it was a moment that is not replaceable. You know, yeah. you, you cannot you cannot replace a moment like that. It always yeah. speaks about memory making moments. Yeah. that game that experience is a memory making moment i think to see all of the fan support that michigan state was able to have and even from the fan base on the gonzaga side that was a right. that was just really um you know kind of gives you and it gives you more of an appreciation for the game itself, also because of how you know, both teams played. But then on top of it, being able to talk to some of the people who worked on the ship. I was actually speaking with a chef before the game started, and she was telling me about um, how many planes they were able to fit on top of the deck of the ship. And how they fit forty planes up there, which is phenomenal. Wow. And just being able to, as I think maybe Iza was speaking to before we got on the ship, was you know to to speak to to talk to to talk to them and to kind of get a feel for what their day to day life is like, and um, you know for them too to be able to watch the game. Ran into a. Um, Well, we didn't run into him, (laughs) but, you know, Max Carey, Michigan State's, you know, sports information director for basketball, you know, connected a lot of us media people to a local Okemos alum who is now, you know, active duty in the Navy and, um, you know, was on the ship. And, you know, just for him to be able to experience growing up a Michigan State basketball fan, And, you know, when he goes away and, you know, just kind of having two worlds come together as one for him, you know, to hear him talk about that was really, was really great as well.
5: Are you familiar with the name Oliver Clayton, Oliver Clayton?
10: Uh, No, I don't think so, Jack. Um, Okay. no, not off the top of my head. (laughs)
5: Let me tell you why, because you mentioned Maddie Sissoko and Oliver Clayton is the youngest fan. On the aircraft carrier, six weeks old. And the reason Oliver was there, uh, the Clayton family is the one that brought Maddie over to Utah from Mali, where uh, this this is really an amazing story. He grew up, no electricity, no running water, never seen a car, no radio. Mottie worked uh, on a family farm, didn't have any farming equipment. I mean, you talk about a Spartan life. And 15 years old, and uh, Michael Clayton, who was administrator of uh, the Utah Valley Eye Center, was making a trip to Africa to perform free cataract surgeries. And saw uh, Mottie and uh, fell in love with him. And said, you know, this guy, he, he could be a basketball player. And Marty didn't know anything about basketball. Brought him to Utah, and the rest is history. So the Claytons are on the ship, and Oliver Clayton, dressed in his green and white, at six weeks old, the youngest fan on the ship. <laughs>
10: That's remarkable, you know he he won't remember it, but he'll have <laughs> pictures to show it, so that's the that head is great <laughs> um, no but it, I think that just speaks to um you know those kind of moments you know I still remember yeah, I still remember back in two thousand when Michigan state basketball won the national championship, and we weren't you know. There in person, but how much my dad and I, you know, we're just jumping up and down in the living room and you know yeah. having the time of our lives watching that yeah. win. So, you know, it it, it is all
4: relative.
5: <laughs> well, uh, the busy life of a sports director, uh, people could only get a look behind what Audrey Dahlgren does and flying that red eye back uh, Friday night. And then heading right to Ann Arbor, and you had an early morning shoot. Uh, you were doing a hit for BTN and the tailgate show while I was still in the air. Uh, I didn't get uh, back and get to Spartan Stadium till I walked in right at kickoff. But you'd already been on the air uh, three and a half hours before that, I guess. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your trip and what a busy Saturday that was for you? <laughs>
10: Yeah, you know, I mean it was a very it was a very jam packed I would say twenty four hours because as soon as I was done doing everything that I needed to fulfill and you know, stories to turn for fifth quarter and for the morning show for channel six which thankfully they were able to get the internet back up and working i don't know who would cut (laughs) the fiber cord on the ship before people were done working so that gave everybody a little bit of a slight anxiety attack but after we worked through that's a little stuff that people just don't ever know about jack they don't ever hear about that part they just see you know when you pop up on the screen and they're like oh okay yeah you know (laughs) but um So working through all of that and making sure that we're able to get everything done uh, from Friday night uh, here at Channel 6, waking up first thing in the morning, um, or, well, you know, then getting to the flight, getting on the flight. I think I slept maybe for about an hour on the flight, but I did some prep work for what I was going to talk about in the morning on the BTN tailgate show, uh, you know, because the hit that I do is about a minute long with two to three newsy notes about the right. game and from both in, you know, from both sides, Michigan and at that point, uh, Nebraska. And so, um, so i i did that on the plane like i said slept for about an hour once i landed i changed in the airport bathroom and i curled my hair again in the (laughs) airport bathroom opened my big you know suitcase that i had everybody makes fun of me for traveling with a big suitcase but going from 65 degree weather in san diego to 30 in michigan you know but you need a coat you need gloves you need boots you need all that stuff and so um changed my clothes in the bathroom redid my hair in the bathroom, redid my makeup in the bathroom, went straight to Michigan Stadium for my hit. And then uh, in between the hit and before the game starting, because the press box didn't open until 1230, and we were done by nine. So I went to breakfast with the BTN cameraman and audio guy, and then I was able to get up to the press box. I was there for the game and did the post-game interviews on the field with Junior Colson and Blake Corum.
5: And did not and then take I a nap. I finally
10: got back home. I finally got back <laughs> home at nine thirty at night on Saturday. <laughs> so.
5: And then probably crashed, right? Yeah, you were due for it, anyway. Yeah. Uh, hey, Rob. Uh, two of my favorite moments from this trip, actually, I, I smile when I think about it right now. Involved uh, watching odd. One was uh, Wednesday uh, at dinner, and this cheese wheel. <laughs> concoction that they had. (laughs) Uh, I I can't describe it, but that was a lot of cheese.
10: (laughs) Yeah, you know, I I was very happy that they asked us to get up and watch, you know, because we were at this Italian restaurant, and I ordered a type of pasta that apparently when they... you know mix it all up they mix it in this big bowl of cheese and i put it on my instagram story uh it's not no longer there anymore but at the time it was and yeah yeah, they uh, mix it in this big bowl of cheese and they put it on your plate and so we were able to um witness that they asked us they said oh would you like to see how we um you know toss it in the cheese we said okay sure (laughs) never heard of that before but i guess when in san diego
5: Yeah, if anyone's there, uh, Ben Cotta, I would highly recommend it. The second one was after we were done and uh, we're heading to the airport, and and you're normally anchoring fifth quarter, but this time you were watching it on your phone, and it was so much fun to watch you watch them and provide a running critique of everything (laughs) that was happening. I mean, you know, some things you liked and some you didn't, and... uh, you know, you were, you sounded like a, a sports director.
10: <laughs> well, I will say this. So a lot of people don't know this, but after the fifth quarter is over every Friday night, Nick, Ian, Haley, and I, we all um, watch the show back. Uh-huh. So yeah. as a way to not only to critique and see what we could do better, but... Um, you know, things that you know they liked about what they did or what we did and things that they didn't like about what they did or what they can do better or what we can do better as a team. And so I, that's just a part of our natural process, I guess, and, mm-hmm. and what we do. Um, I think it's really important to go back and to uh, watch the shows and to figure out ways where, you know, we can get better. Um, right, cause right. It's sort of like a... Sort of like a film session, maybe, <laughs> that a coach would go through with athletes. Um, but that's really important to me that we all sort of are able to not only pick up on maybe some good things that we did, but also where we can improve.
1: Talking
5: about this weekend, and besides Michigan State hosting Villanova Friday night, you will have a fifth quarter on Friday at 11-15, even though there are no high school football games on Friday, three area teams that are left. Uh, we're talking about DeWitt and Mason and Jackson Lumen Christie.' Don't they all play on Saturday?
10: Yeah, every single game is on Saturday, and so last night we actually uh, Ian and I actually went to the indoor practice facility at Michigan State because Mason. Was practicing there last night, so we were able to speak with Gary Houghton, AJ Martell, and Casey Carswell about mm-hmm. their upcoming match which, or game, which is going to be very you know difficult game for them going up against sure. Detroit King, defending champs in Division Three. The mm-hmm. last loss that they have had, Mason has had, was in the semifinal last year to King, so. There's a lot of motivation there for Mason's football team to play well on Saturday and to win Saturday. Tonight, DeWitt is at Michigan State's indoor practice facility. So I'll be going over there after the 6 o'clock show. They practice there until 8 So headed over there to speak to them prior to their game on Saturday. And uh, everybody, too, Jack, I know they still have one game left, and who knows what could transpire. But I know a lot of people in the area would love to see a DeWitt Mason State Championship game. (laughs) So I don't know um, how. You know, that would be be great for the area. We'll just say that. And then Jackson Lumen Christy, of course, plays uh, Saturday against Napoleon. And Napoleon is undefeated this year. But Jackson Lumen Christie has really come on, you know, after starting with three straight losses, they've won the rest of their games. And um, so we'll preview all of these matchups on the fifth quarter. On Friday, of course, with Michigan State's basketball game against Villanova, the MSU women's soccer NCAA tournament game, even though it's not home, as well as hockey against Penn State, you know, with them back in the polls and now playing number six Penn State, both of them one and two in the Big Ten Conference standings. So there's a lot of really good stuff going on on Friday. Even (laughs) if we don't have actual high school games being played, uh, we will have a full fifth quarter.
5: So uh, do you have a game of the week, even though – uh, you're just looking ahead to three games, or do you not pick one of those? And what do you do with the bus?
10: Well, technically, uh, our big game is now Michigan State basketball versus Villanova. Gotcha. So, okay. um, but the bus, the Dean Trailways bus, is no longer uh, going to be out and about anymore uh, since none of our teams are, you know, okay. local, You know, they're not at home anymore in their home All location. Right. We have stopped sending okay. the bus out for this season (laughs) so it's done it's going in the garage for the winter
5: (laughs) (laughs) all right let's talk briefly about saturday Uh, michigan state another noon start uh this time against the indiana hoosiers the first team uh, ncaa division one history to have 700 losses i talk about michigan being the winningest all-time program indiana the losingest and uh, coming into Spartan Stadium, where Michigan State has some momentum now with three wins in the last four games, what would it mean for this team to be bowl eligible? On,
10: I would be huge. As much as I don't want to say that he's downplaying it, because I know that if they yeah. win, it would it would be mean a lot, but. Um, I know that's not really the emphasis of the week, but it would be huge for Michigan State's football team to beat Indiana Saturday to become bowl eligible after that streak they had of four straight losses. I mean, after the Ohio State loss, you could say that there is absolutely no optimism among the fan base that Michigan State was going to do anything with its season the rest of the year. So, um, you know, for them to bounce back and get that win against Wisconsin was huge to now set them up in a situation where they've won two straight now after the Michigan loss and now to get this win to be bowl eligible would be, you know, would be huge because it would be, you know, Tucker's second straight, uh, you know, season becoming bowl eligible. And I think just after everything they went through in the year, it would be really
5: big. And you're going to be in Washtenaw County again uh, for Illinois, Michigan, a game that was much more interesting looking a couple of weeks ago before the Illini's back-to-back losses at home to Michigan State and Purdue, and suddenly Illinois goes from commanding position to needing help uh, in the Big Ten West race. Uh, and it's senior day for a lot of Michigan players, and maybe, uh, probably, I think most people would think, the last home game in a career of Blake Corum.
10: Yeah, absolutely, and I still think, though, this this Illinois game with Michigan is going to be really interesting because even though they have, you know, kind of taken themselves out of the driver's seat in the yeah. West, they still have an opportunity to clinch, So, but they just need, you know, there's so many different scenarios in the West right, right now right, in right. order right. for that to happen, but, I mean, obviously, a, a win for them would be huge, so I think that they're going to have a yeah. lot you know, they're going to be playing for a lot. I don't think that they're just going to, you know, come into Ann Arbor and just be sort of, you know, hmm, ho-hum about it. I I definitely think that, you know, Brett Bielema is going to be, they're going to be extremely motivated to play well against Michigan. And um, I think Michigan needs that, too, before they go to Ohio State. Mm -hmm. I think they need to have a team that's going to come in and try to at least sort of try to test them a little bit. And Chase Brown is, you know, still the leading rusher, in the Big Ten right now, yeah. um, and so I think that will be a great challenge for Michigan's defense, and uh, like I said, another good tune-up for them you know, to brace themselves for what's to come against
5: Ohio State. More on the line in this game, Odd, for Illinois than for Michigan. Sounds odd to say when a team is ranked number three in the country, but Michigan can lose this game and still be in the college football playoff if it beats Ohio State wins in Columbus. It would win the tiebreaker and represent the Big Ten East against the West Champ. A win there at 12-1 and one would probably put uh, Michigan into the playoffs. So, uh, win or lose, it has to beat Ohio State. And and I don't know, given the Wolverines' schedule, uh, if it's going to get in with one loss.
10: Yeah, it's tough right now. I mean, you almost have to be you know, pristine, especially too. Then, if you're going up against a team yeah. like Ohio State, who is exactly similar to you, same division, same record. You know, if you lose that game, you got to – The the tiebreaker is, goes to the team who wins. You know, right. Right. essentially. So, yeah, that's how it. It just it, in the current playoff system, that's just that's just how it works right now.
5: Hey, Todd, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. We see you uh, Friday night, or you'll be tied up.
10: No, I'll be at least at the first half of the basketball okay. game. So, see, yes, I'll be there for the first half.
5: We'll see you over at Breslin. We'll be right back, hoping to talk with Jim Brandstatter, uh, East Lansing native, former Michigan offensive lineman under Bo, uh, Bo Schembechler and longtime voice of the University of Michigan football and the Detroit Lions. And now he's got a great new project. A lot of Wolverines are going to want to get their hands on. We'll be right back. When you want Spartan gear, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping destination. They always deliver the best and newest selection of apparel for the whole family. Nike, Cutter & Buck, Columbia, Champion, plus accessories, Yeti, hats, and all things Spartan. Spartan students, faculty, and military enjoy 10% off in-store every day. Check them out in Lansing or at alumnihall.com to make sure you are game ready. It's Alumni Hall. Where Spartan fans shop. If your next event or holiday party has you feeling stressed and overwhelmed, don't be. Voted Lansing's best new restaurant by top of the town, One North Kitchen and Bar has catering for every occasion from an award-winning chef. Book your next event by calling 517-901-5001. One North is the perfect place to get with family and friends for all the big games. Also voted Lansing's best sports bar, They have over 40 TVs, feature scratch cooking, amazing craft cocktails, and the largest draft beer selection in West Lansing. That's One North Kitchen and Bar, where friends and family gather to make good times great.
0: Time for a career change? Looking to make a difference? Dean Transportation is looking for compassionate people to join our dedicated team of school bus professionals. Dean Transportation has immediate openings and offers paid training to obtain a commercial driver's license. With increased starting pay, benefit packages, flexible scheduling with weekday hours and more, Dean Transportation may be the career choice for you. No experience needed. Apply now and train all summer. Head to deanjobs.com.
8: So, it's been a
0: while since you've
8: had your jewelry cleaned and inspected, right? Where will you go and who will you trust with your most valuable and treasured heirlooms? At Medawar Jewelers' four locations in Lansing, Okamis, Jackson, and Portage, jewelry isn't just our job, it's our passion. Each and every piece entrusted in our care is thoroughly inspected by our trained staff against damage or normal wear. And we offer you, our customer, the highest level of quality on repairs and custom designs. Whether it's worn out prongs, channels, or shanks, it's all handled with incredible care. Metawar Jewelers in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage want to help you preserve your memories and offer you options on creating new ones. Come in today for the cleaning and inspection of your jewelry. We continue to work hard every day to earn your confidence and trust.
5: Jack Evelyn here with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graph Chevrolet
1: and Graph Nissan. A lot more traffic out here, and it looks like you got some new inventory coming. Finally, Jack, it's getting there. We're not back to the good old days, but we're certainly getting better. We've got more Chevys, more Nissans than we've had in probably a year. 2023s are starting to hit the ground, so it's a great time to come out and look for a new vehicle. And if you're looking to maintain your current one, don't forget we've got a great service parts and body shop as well. Stop out and see Matt and the gang here on West Grand River and no
5: They're making friends.
2: Culver's could have only started in Wisconsin. Our team member, Nick, will tell you why. Oh, yeah, that's an easy one. Wisconsin is the dairy state, so naturally, Culver's was inspired by everyone's favorite rich and creamy tradition, frozen custard. We make our fresh frozen custard in small batches in every Culver's. It's a match, or (laughs) batch, made in heaven. Come have a taste of Wisconsin. Welcome to Delicious. Delicious.
5: Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping experience for Spartan fans with everything you need to show your Michigan State pride. They have the largest and best selection of apparel for the entire family. Nike, Cutter & Buck, Columbia, Champion, plus their two for $38 tees. And you can't miss their great gifts and accessories. Make sure your family is game ready. Check them out in Lansing's Eastwood Town Center or anytime at alumnihall.com. That's Alumni Hall. For Spartan Fan Shop. Yo Network. Jack Eble here with my producer today, Rob Bennett. Rob, do we have our next guest on with us? Yes, we do. He is
1: excited to talk with you.
5: Uh, very, very, very special guest and a guy whose name is well-known from his uh, distinguished family and his uh, personal accomplishments over his career here in mid-Michigan and also in Washtenaw County. You know, Rob, a lot was made a couple of weeks ago about my streak of 155 straight Michigan-Michigan State football and basketball games, but I think Jim Branstadter can top me on consecutive matchups with the Wolverines and Spartans, going back to your freshman year, have you missed <laughs> a Michigan-Michigan nice. State game, Jim?
11: Not since 1968, a football game.
5: Wow, you got yeah. me by a year. I knew you would. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was when I was
11: a freshman. I graduated, in, uh well, actually, 16, yeah, 68, because I graduated, yeah, yeah. and and then uh, the, the 68, uh, the fall of 68. I was a uh, freshman at Michigan and right. went to the game. Right. Couldn't play, but went to the game and then uh, played the next three years and then covered or was in the stadium for the next, till 2000 and, well, till this year.
5: This year. Yeah, are <laughs> yeah, still going. Yeah, yeah. Still going. still going. Still going. So between us, Jim, do you know we have 109? consecutive Michigan-Michigan State games. You have 55. I have 54.
11: And and Jack, just uh, throw one out there for you. I was also at the 66-10-10 tie. Oh. I uh, I was believe it or not, brother Art was broadcasting the game with Dusty yeah. uh, Rhodes back in the day. Oh yeah,
4: yeah, yeah.
11: And and I was I was I was the stat boy. I ran the stat back then. They had mimeographed. <laughs> Remember they had those mimeograph yeah. stats where that they smelled like yeah. crazy. They were blueprint. And yes. So yes. I would run down to the mimeograph. And they would roll yeah. them off that roller, and I would grab them and bring them down to the booth. So Art let me go in there oh, and be yeah. the stat boy for that game. And okay. uh, heck, I saw Art. Art played, you know, against Michigan back in 58, 59, 60. So on and off since 1955 or 56, I've been watching Michigan Michigan State play.
5: Did you ever tell Shem Beckler that you used to be a stat guy there and you handled all that purple ink, mimeograph stuff? I stayed away from that. (laughs) He knew I was from East Lansing. That was as far as I wanted to go. (laughs) Well, Jim, uh, I think about this Michigan team – And think that Bo would be smiling. Uh, This is probably, would be one of his favorite teams because uh, a lot of unsung heroes on defense, the way they run the ball and they impose their will on opponents, and I'm not sure Ohio State or any other team can get this Michigan offensive line off the field.
11: Well, I'm I'm not sure either, but that's why they play the game and it'll be interesting in a couple of weeks to see how that goes. But you know, you knew Bo well enough, to, and you knew yeah, his yeah. philosophy. And his philosophy was real simple, and it worked pretty well for 21 years at Michigan. You run the ball and yeah. stop the run, and yeah. you'll win football games. And and basically, that's what you've got in this 2022 version of Michigan football.
5: I had to laugh one time. I was playing golf with John Colasar, and <laughs> uh, he was talking about Bo. And of course, you know all the great stories. He loved him, but he said. Uh, I used to say my position was wide blocker. Yep.
11: <laughs> if you're a wide receiver in Michigan and you played for Bo Schenberg and you didn't block, you didn't play. Yep. Simple as that. But, you know, the, the other thing is he was really adaptable, Bo was. I mean, they, I mean, that was his his basic fundamental idea of football was run the ball, stop the run. But when he had players, the talent that could throw it and catch it, like yeah. John Colasar and Anthony Carter and Jim Harbaugh, right. Uh, he did it. He adapted and got those guys the ball, and uh, Bo was really, really a great coach in that regard. That if he had talent that could go out there and catch it and run past the defense, he'd get them the football.
5: Jim, when you think about this matchup a week from Saturday in Columbus, and Michigan can or Ohio, can,
11: can we, can we, can we make sure that we beat Illinois first?
5: <laughs> well, you know what? This is the interesting part of this. Uh, I know that uh, neither team wants to lose an undefeated season. And it's possible that with one loss, they would not get into the playoff. But I still think that the Big Ten champion, even with a loss, is going to get in. And if Ohio State loses to Maryland uh, in College Park or Michigan State, or Michigan, rather, somehow gets stung by the Illini, uh, I still think that the the winner of the Michigan-Ohio State game, going to go to... Indianapolis beat up on the West representative and be in the college football player. I, I
11: I know, and I that scenario fits and works, but but you just we've seen it too often. You just don't want to leave it up to somebody else yeah. and a voter somewhere in a somebody <laughs> on a committee. You know, Jack, you've seen it, I've seen it. You just don't want to leave it up to a committee, do you? Uh, uh, and, and you it,
5: don't. We're going to hear a little bit more about that in just a couple of minutes. Oh, good, good, yeah. Yeah, we're going to hear Bo talking about votes and committees and going back 49 seasons. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I want to ask you a little bit more about uh, this matchup coming up because uh, you have two teams, and and their numbers are both popping off of the page, but something tells me that weather – could be very important because if it's a dry track and uh, Ohio State gets Jackson Smith and Jigba back to go with uh, the other receivers, and I think Marvin Harrison Jr. might be as good as any receiver in the country. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't dispute that. Yeah, and if they have a dry track, that favors the Buckeyes a little bit, but, hey, you know, they're talking about two to seven inches this week, this Saturday, Jim. And if that happens next week, uh, double up on the Wolverines.
11: Well, I, you know, again, you never know. You're playing on the road. It, it's a difficult place to play. Yeah. You know what the horseshoes like. Yeah. So, and it's Michigan, Ohio State. So, you know, it, it, it's one of those games where you just can't. You can't judge. You, I mean, weather could play a difference. The way I look at it, Ohio State's offense a lot of flash. They're yeah. very flashy and have all that yeah. great. Michigan's more of that uh, power plotter. But, but yeah. they both win, and, and then that's the whole key. To me, if it comes down to that, yeah. you know, where your weather is an issue, what's yeah. the thing you look at? If I were calling the games, I'd be saying, you better play defense and your special teams better absolutely be yeah. perfect.
4: Yeah. And, in,
11: in those kinds of, and, and don't turn the ball over. In those kinds of conditions, those three factors, I would say 95% of the time determine a game.
5: And we have seen – both teams have some blowout moments, not not many. But uh, in a game like this, Jim, it could come down to one official's call. Do they call pass interference or not? Does the ball bounce into the end zone or does it stop at the one-yard line? Right. Uh, so many things that, you know, think about they're one moment or one decision, and that could impact everything.
11: No, there's no question. When the teams are this close, and, and and Michigan's playing on the road and you know you always it's like you've been to Notre Dame and, and as yeah. watching Michigan State play you know that somewhere down the road Notre Dame's going to get a call and <laughs> and if it's at a critical I hey tell me am I wrong you're right you're you've right. seen it you've seen it happen and, and it's yeah. not just because I'm a Michigan guy or, or it, it, Michigan State goes there Notre Dame's going to get a call anybody goes into South Bend yeah. same thing in Columbus if you're a Michigan guy Somewhere down there, you're going you're gonna to get a holding call. You're going to get an interference call. You're going to get a, a something. That's why you got to maintain your poise at all times so you don't get goaded into a possibility of a 15-yard sportsman-like. And the other thing is you've got to be just spot-on on the details because that's where you lose close games, that call, that penalty, that, that false start. You know, instead of third and three, you're third and eight. You don't make that first
5: down, you give them another possession.
11: You can't do that in these games, in these type games.
5: Yeah. yeah. Uh, there have been periods of dominance in this series, Jim. And uh, Michigan, of course, had it going against John Cooper. He was 210 and one against the Wolverines, so much so that uh, there was a point that uh, February 10th, 210, was considered uh, John Cooper Day in Ann Arbor. <laughs> and uh, now, now uh, a lot of the Wolverines, current players, have not been alive since the last win in Ohio Stadium. It will have been 22 years and eight days Yeah, since Michigan won. Or how do you account for stuff like that?
11: I don't know. Well, you account for Ohio State having unbelievable talent. And, and again, I, I think we would have beaten them at the call with JT Barrett and the fourth down play in overtime uh-huh. not going their way. I still yeah. don't think he made the first down. That game would have been over. But, yeah, he, you know, that's that call you were talking about just right. 30 right. seconds ago. Right. And, um, and, again, I, I, they, they've been, let's face it, they've been extremely talented. They've been yeah. very, very good. They Last year, their three receivers, and, and I don't mean to denigrate the Detroit Lions or anything, but last year – the three Ohio State receivers that they had, and that was when Smith and Jigba was playing great.
4: Yeah, yeah,
11: could have started for the Detroit Lions.
4: Yeah,
5: do you? I mean, you you watch football, you know the game. Yeah. Uh, would you argue that? Oh no, I would. I would definitely say. Well, look at uh, you had Garrett Wilson. He was a first round pick of the exactly. Jets. And Chris exactly. Chris right. Olave was a and high first round pick of the Saints, and they had and a but, guy Jim. Uh, Jamison Williams, picked by the Lions, couldn't get on the field for the Buckeyes, and he transfers to Alabama.
11: I know. And that's amazing. Same thing with the quarterbacks. I mean, uh, uh, you know, uh, Justin Fields, the guy that plays for the Chicago. Right. now, He came out right. of Georgia. Joe Burrow. I mean, he was at Ohio State in his fifth year, went to LSU, won a national championship. You would talk about right. a wealth of talent when you yeah. when you ask about that long run. Uh, winning in Columbus, part of it is, is Ohio State was absolutely loaded with yeah. great players, great talent, and they had great teams. And it wasn't just Michigan that had trouble beating them; it was everybody else in the country. Yeah. So yeah, you know, yeah, Michigan gets the gets the hook because they're the rival. But the reality yeah. of life was there wasn't anybody to go down there and beat them. I think Michigan State beat them once during Mark Dantonio's the the last down there. twelve
5: years. Yeah. Right. But the only once team was to beat them there. Yeah. yeah, once one, since uh, Urban Meyer got there.
11: Right, once since Meyer. So yeah. th- they haven't been easy to beat by anybody. Right. Iowa, right. Wisconsin, you name any team in the Big Ten, gone in there and beat them.
5: You no. can name them on one hand, maybe yeah. even without not using the thumb. <laughs> a couple of teams have beaten them at home, as you say, but not, not in Columbus. want to talk about a project that you've been working on, and when you told me, I said I got to get a load of this. I got to hear some of it. Yeah. He gave me a couple samples. We're going to hear one of them in just a minute. But can you talk about how this came to be, and uh, what our listeners can expect?
11: Well, it's it's called Voices of Michigan Stadium. It's an audio book, and Jack. Over the years, I've gotten tons of interviews with you know coaches and players, and yeah. they, they've all been say I saved them. I'm a pack rat, okay, and I had them on cassettes and. I put them in the garage, and, and here as I retired, I said, what can I do? What, you know, what kind of projects can I come up with? And one of them was getting all of these interviews, cutting them up into bites and seeing what I could utilize them for. And after I did it, I had four pages of computer uh, titles of MP3 files of these great sound bites. And I went, you know, this, if I could uh, you know, get an outline, create chapters or parts, this, this would make a wonderful book, and and that's what I did. Uh, from the man that scored the first touchdown at Michigan Stadium in 1927. His name was Kip Taylor. I interviewed him at one of Don Canham's uh, mixer parties Friday night, four game, and he tells a story running down the field with Benny Oosterbund, and this is just pure gold. And I said, I've got to be able to utilize this stuff. And all the other great interviews with Bob Chappie, some of the great old names, and then Desmond Howard, some of the great plays in Michigan Stadium, the Passed by Cordell Stewart, I've got Chuck Winters talking about that play. Mm. He was the safety in the end zone when the ball popped into Michael Westbrook's hand. Oh. I've got Desmond telling the story about the pose in the end zone against Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And, the, and those are the kinds of things that Michigan fans love, because don't fans, in your experience, love just sitting yep. around telling stories?
0: Well, yeah, that's absolutely. what
11: this book is. And the beauty of it is you hear the stories in the, their own voices with yeah. the passion and the emotion that they all have.
5: Yeah, you know Mike Pearson. I do. Uh, yeah, and uh, he had done something similar with uh, Michigan State and Illinois, and uh, he's got a lot of that kind of stuff for the Illini and and for the Spartans. He actually had a Spartafacts series that he put together. But when when you think about uh, keeping history alive, I think what exactly. you are done is it's pretty important with that. I think and it's very I wanna, important. Yeah. I, I want to talk in particular about uh, the Bow era because it transcends everything else at Michigan and right. left such a giant footprint. And uh, you were there at the beginning. You actually were there uh, for the last year of Bump, right? Yes. Uh, Bump's
11: last year was my first year of my freshman season. And then my first varsity year was when Bo started his career in nineteen sixty nine.
5: Yeah. Did you ever ask Bo Shem if he would have recruited you? <laughs> no, because I knew the answer. <laughs> <laughs>
11: I uh, uh I was very uh, fortunate to be recruited by Bump and, and then again very fortunate to have played for Bo. And I hey, the three years I was there we won two Big Ten championships and went to two Roseville, so yeah, um, I don't have any complaints, man.
5: Yeah, I would. I, you shouldn't. No. I mean, we're going to hear a segment, uh, a little clip of this, and uh, Rob, you've got this ready to go. Uh, this is Bo talking about 1973, right? And the vote of the athletic directors after the 10-10 tie in Michigan Stadium. It's funny, Jim. You've been there for two 10-10 ties, maybe the two most famous in
0: Yes, I have. History.
5: Pretty amazing, um, isn't it? Yeah, both of them in the state of Michigan, and uh, you know, I, I've gotten uh, some blowback around here because I said even though Michigan State dominated that game with Notre Dame, and uh, you know, I, it, it didn't win at home, and you normally right. think the home team well, is supposed and, and to win.
11: I mean, here's the other little little backstory in that game. Michigan State,
5: Notre Dame still
11: had a game to play. Eric Parsegi was the coach. He still had a game with Southern Cal to play. He knew if he blew Southern Cal out, he would win the national championship. Yeah, And so he was playing for the tie basically late in that game. And from a coach's standpoint, really, that was smart because he knew next week he goes to Southern Cal, national stage, blows them out. He wins the national title, which at the time was what all Notre Dame wanted to play for.
5: That's right. There was no bowl opportunity for them. Uh, it's funny, those teams in 66, Jim, and, and just like the 73 Wolverines, that's something else that Notre Dame and Michigan State in 66 and Michigan in 73 didn't get to play in a bowl game.
11: Right, and, and Bo, Bo mentions that in in, in this uh, in this section of the book.
5: All right, let's hear from Bo Schembechler uh, in uh, Jim's audio book, and uh, I, I think you'll you'll feel the passion.
11: One of the lowest moments in Bo Schembechler's Michigan coaching career was 1973, after a 10-10 tie with Ohio State to close the season. And despite outplaying the Buckeyes in the game and sharing the Big Ten title, the conference athletic directors voted to send Ohio State to the Rose Bowl. Schembechler never got over the injustice.
6: There were some very weak character guys. Uh, in athletic director positions in the Big Ten. That's been proven. And everybody thought, well, uh, you know, we'll let it go and forget about it. But I I had some great football players and great teams uh, that never got to play in that great classic. I I always said to myself, if I ever let up on my bitterness over what happened to that football team in 1973, uh, I'm not being fair to those guys who played. And so I never have, and I've been bitter ever since about it, and uh, and I'll never I'll never forget it. And fortunately, because of that Michigan team in 1973, all these other teams in the Big Ten Conference now have an opportunity to play in a postseason bowl game because uh, that restriction of the Rose Bowl or no. Uh,
5: there you hear a little bit yeah. of Bo-, Bo Schembechler and uh, just a taste of what you get throughout this project. Uh, no, it's, uh, you can hear the best part about it is you can hear the passion, the,
11: yeah. the emotion of the voice. And that's just a, a sample. There's, there's Rick Leach, there's Ron Johnson, there's there's Ron oh, yeah. Kramer. Uh, and it's just, it, it just, I was so amazed at the the amount of material I had and how, when I was putting it together, it, it just warmed the cockles of my heart. And it, it really, you, your comment about history is really important. And I think. We've got to keep the Tom Harmons alive, yes, yes uh, and 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 the Fritz Chryslers. and you know yeah. it's it, it's more than just a name on a building. It's like Davy Doherty, Biggie Munn in Michigan State, uh, yeah. those Forty Anderson, all these great names in the in that history um, shouldn't go away. And, and if if I'm in the position to help keep their names alive and in the consciousness of younger Generation X, if you will, then then I think we ought to do it.
5: Jim, I had a chance to uh, do Judd Heathcote's book uh, before he passed, and and I said, you know, there's just too much history, too many great moments, too many behind-the-scenes things to let this go into the ground. And I think that uh, you're providing a chance for not just Michigan fans but all football fans uh, to really learn the history from the people who lived it
11: Exactly.
5: And and I, that's that's a great way to put it because I mean wouldn't
11: you like to have Judd t- telling a story right now? Yeah. He was one of the great storytellers <laughs> of all time. He had the yeah. driest sense of humor and yeah. he could entertain you at a dinner table better than Bob Hope. And and <laughs> and the and the same thing goes for hearing Bob Chappuis talk about the mad magicians of Michigan yeah. football. Yeah. Or 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 Ron Kramer talk about Benny Oosterbaan. Yeah. These Or the snowball, you know, there are so many great moments. That in the past, those moments have to be celebrated and have to be remembered. Along with the new ones, like Desmond Howard and the more, more recent memories, they should also be, uh, you know, immortalized. And I've got the ability because I've got these audio clips. Yeah. And um, the voices of Michigan Stadium, I think, is, uh, is it's so much fun. And I think people really enjoy it.
5: You mentioned Ron Kramer, and uh, I remember sitting at uh, some Michigan Sports Hall of Fame uh, election meetings, and uh, he'd be there, and uh, it was hard for me to leave. I mean, I just wanted to hear the legend,
4: exactly, uh,
5: that, tell those stories, and uh, you know, and maybe they were embellished a little bit, but who cared at that point? Exactly, and that's your your
11: your characterization of sitting there listening to Kramer tell stories is kind of the idea of Voices of Michigan Stadium. I wanted people to sit back and listen to this book and sit like they're at the bar listening to some great players tell stories of their exploits and those great moments uh, in Michigan Stadium. And uh, it's kind of worked out that way. I'm really happy the way the book came out.
5: Jim, uh, first year uh, away from the mic for you for uh, both teams. You did Lions and Wolverines. I'm not exactly sure how you did it. Gene Deckerhoff, and what we're talking about. <laughs> you. I know, Gene's, uh, not, Gene's a he, he, Gene's yeah. a machine, man. He, he's amazing, and uh, you know, you get a few other there. Aren't many around the country uh, who have been able to to pull it off. But do you miss it? You know, I do a little bit, but I don't it,
11: not. Not like I, I I'm, I'm, you know, crying at home saying, "Oh my God, I made a bad decision." Not like that at all. I'm very comfortable being a, a, a spectator. I'm not a very good spectator now, but <laughs> but I'm very comfortable watching the games. Uh, it's somebody else's turn. You know, I've, I've had my run, yeah. and um, it it allows me time. The idea of being consumed with it from Monday through Friday to get yourself ready for that Saturday Sunday run you know to have the Monday Tuesday and the pressure off of, of learning two deeps of going into the research yeah. of getting all of the material you need to put together to get two games on on a weekend that that time getting back to me is really very pleasant and uh, while I miss the Saturdays and the camaraderie and the, the call of the game the the Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday uh, makes up for that. <laughs>
5: All right, Jim, this might be one of the tougher questions you've ever been asked. Uh-oh. If you got a call from the Big Ten office and they want you to be their new supervisor of officials, no. what would be the first thing you would do besides turn it down? <laughs> the first thing I would do is I would say, who's, who's this on the phone? And are you on some
11: kind of medication? <laughs> 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 I, I, I I would never, ever... Uh, get involved in any of that stuff. Those guys, I know yeah. Dick Honig, who's a good friend of mine, who was yeah. an official for a lot of years. You've got to be a different kind of guy. you got to have a makeup that you're really dedicated. Those guys are unbelievably dedicated because they know all the rules and all that stuff, but I I just could not, uh, no. I would That one I would turn down
5: immediately. You've been around so many coaches, Hall of Fame coaches. What kind of coach would Jim Branstetter have made? probably probably a little like bo i mean i would have i get mad easily
11: when something doesn't go well i don't i'm a very competitive guy would you have and been jerry going,
5: hanlon junior
11: uh, yeah a little bit jerry was jerry was that guy i i don't think i have the patience to be honest yeah. with you yeah. a little bit to be a, to be a coach i mean i would love to well, i think you not know, have a, good, a lot of patience either no i know but i'd have been a, i don't think i'd have been a decent assistant coach but i couldn't yeah. have been a head coach i don't you know yeah. i People taking shots at you and, yeah, and sometimes yeah. unfair shots. Yeah. Uh, that 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 I, n- I never would have been able to do. I'm, I'm really competitive. And I, would, I think I like the process of getting guys better, of improving guys. But uh, being out there in front and doing the press, I mean, that's ultimately I think what ultimately got Bo yeah. out of the game was the recruiting and, and all the media responsibilities, which is even now worse. Right. With with all the social media and everything that's out there. So these yeah. days, these coaches, are, uh, their time is, I mean, it's it's really a different game these days, as you well know. Uh,
5: I listened to Izzo rail about uh, the portal and name, image, and likeness. Oh, yeah. That. I, said, I wonder what Bo would have said about that. He,
11: he, look, he and Tom were uh, kindred spirits. And, and as a matter of fact, at one point I remember a golf tournament, Bo grabbed Izzo by the neck like he used to. He said, Tom, you know, you got a problem. And Izzo goes, "What's that, coach?" He says, "You're a football coach, you're stuck coaching basketball." <laughs> and you know uh, what? Izzo looked at him and right.
5: said, "You might be, you might be pretty close, coach." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it might be right. All right, Jim, uh voices of Michigan Stadium. How do people get it? People
11: can go on to jimbrandstatter.com and there's a link there to Amazon and you can buy the book on Amazon also. And uh they'll ask you to join this audible uh yeah. for nothing, but there's a click down at the right hand side where you can do a one time buy of the book. Yeah. Download yeah. it to your phone, play it on your phone or any device that you have. But uh dot com or Amazon and search Voices of Michigan Stadium and you'll be able to 300- find the book.
5: Three hundred and fifty bucks for listeners of this show or what? What's the No, 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 no. <laughs> God, I wish. <laughs> I'd be
11: I'd be flying to Hawaii next week if that were the case. But yeah. no, it's uh it, I think it's reasonably priced. I don't I think it's like 16 17 bucks, I think something like oh, that. The paperback okay. is also the paperback is available too and it's 19 99.
5: Oh, that sounds like a great stocking stuffer.
11: So I, perfect, I would Jim. hope so. All right, Jim,
5: thanks so much. Appreciate it. Jack, uh,
11: it's always a pleasure to talk to you and uh, boy, what a great game you got to see last night.
5: Uh, that was a special one. Uh, anytime yeah. you beat Kentucky in hoops—it's like beating Ohio State in. I know,
11: in football, and and so. again, Tommy Zell proves it. What a great, great basketball coach
5: he is. There were five Ohio State fans when I left who hadn't moved. <laughs> uh, they were still in their seats, and I think they were comatose. So yep.
11: yeah, uh, yeah, the way <laughs> That would that would make sense.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank all of our guests today, Rob. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Steven Brooks, 24-7 Sports, Spartan Tailgate Premium Site. Uh, Appreciate him joining us, and he was on the aircraft carrier and uh, there last night in Indianapolis. Lauren Tate, just turned 91 years old. He's still covering Illinois. Still waiting for Illinois to beat Michigan. No, it's happened a couple times, but not very often. Ryan Black, uh, formerly of the Lansing State Journal. He is now the beat writer for the Kentucky Wildcats trying to figure out how Kentucky loses three state straight Champions Classic games and a football game to Vanderbilt. <laughs> Audrey Dahlgren, she is a sports director and lead anchor for WLNS Channel 6. And Jim Branstadter, former Michigan offensive tackle and longtime broadcaster for the Wolverines and for the Detroit Lions. We'll be back tomorrow, everyone. Have a great night.